What is up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Reddit Gold Standard Podcast here on 49ers Hive. My name is Zach Hernandez, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Anthony Perry. And today, we are thrilled to bring you the 49ers Week 3 Preview against New York Giants. Anthony, how are you doing, and how excited are you for this matchup on Sunday? What's going on, Zach? What's going on, Faithful? It is your boy, Perry, back with another preview of 49ers football on the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. I'm doing good, Zach. I know we're probably going to talk about the injuries quite a bit later on in the show, but the injuries suck. But I'll tell you what, I am still really excited to watch the team go up against the Giants. Obviously, there's no Jimmy Garoppolo, there's no Bosa, Thomas, so on and so forth. But I'll tell you what, I'm really excited to see some of the backup guys go out there, get quality snaps in, kind of really refine their game, get themselves, like, get their feet wet in Kyle Shanahan's system and on defense Robert Sala's system. And go from there, man. Obviously, no football team is a pushover outside of the Jets. So some people, I feel like, are kind of taking that mindset when it comes to playing the Giants. But nonetheless, don't overlook the Giants. We're going to talk all about it in this preview episode, man. But I will tell you, like I just said, I am really, really excited to talk some Niners football. Yeah, obviously, the biggest you know, 49ers news this week was all of the injuries they did not make it out of MetLife last week unscathed with the win. It was tough, man. It was, um, you know, we didn't even get a chance to kind of do the, the Jets recap, mainly just due to kind of our busy schedule. So sorry about that, guys. But just to kind of get a little quick recap, I'm sure you all know by now, unfortunately, Nick Bosa's out for the year. Solomon Thomas is out for the year. Jimmy Garoppolo is out for a few weeks. Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert are both out for a few weeks. Um, man, I don't even know if I'm missing anybody, but it's just plethora of injuries the 49ers suffered during that game I don't think I've ever seen anything like that happen to so many key starters on both sides of the ball and you know if they weren't playing the Giants this week I would say you know it's time to raise the alarm it's time to worry but unfortunately the 49ers had uh, you know an easy break in their schedule early on to where they should be able to overcome this challenge and Nick Mullen should still be able to kind of lead them to victory on Sunday so I'm not too worried about that um but obviously Anthony the the main thing I wanted to ask you about is how the hell do they deal with overcoming the loss of Nick Bosa that's to me that's easily the biggest injury that will affect this team moving forward for the rest of the year Man, all I can really say about the Nick Bosa loss is that no player of his caliber is honestly replaceable. And I think we can safely agree that Nick Bosa is a top five, top six uh, defensive end in the league. That's just how impactful he was. And he was arguably the best player on the team. And that goes a lot to saying that George Kittle's the number one tight end. Richard Sherman's a top five cornerback. Same with Fred Warner, a top five linebacker. But that just goes to show how good Nick Bosa is. And you don't replace a guy like that. You don't. But you can replace the kind of like the efficiency of the defensive line, if you know what I mean. So they bring in Ziggy Ansah. They promote Deion Jordan from the practice squad. Both these guys are natural defensive ends. So you kind of have that fluidity at the defensive end position where you can rotate guys like Ansah, like Kerry Hyder, like Jordan, even Eric Armstead plays on the end on occasion. So you have this constant rotation of defensive linemen that... Chris Kosierik has basically been grooming from the ground up. I mean, Kosierik got to play with Kerry Hyder when he was in Detroit. He also had Zig Gionsa when he was in Detroit. And you have someone like Chris Kosierik, who they said on the broadcast was one of the best defensive line coaches in football. You have that kind of guy who can work with any defensive line piece. 
And when both those guys got hurt, Zach, it still felt like the defensive line as a whole was pressuring Sam Darnold. Kevin Givens was getting the job done. DJ Jones was getting the job done. Obviously, Kinlaw, Armstead had a sack. He looked great. Kerry Hyder, like I mentioned. So this entire rotation, I don't think, will be as affected in terms of efficiency. Like, obviously, Bosa alone sacks and pressures a quarterback more than anyone. And you can't quite replace the single players as overall efficiency. But if you can have a fluid defensive line rotation, I think you can make up a little bit of ground that Bosa basically left for us. And again, you can't replace Bosa. You cannot. But we see how this defensive line performs with guys that, quite frankly, the league has never really heard of. Outside of Armstead and um, Javon Kinlaw, you have guys, like I said, like Hyder, Givens, uh, DJ Jones, now Ziggy Ansah, Deion Jordan, kind of like like Treadwater type guys who will go out there and get the job done but not really perform like higher than expectations. But you see what they do against the Jets and you figure, wow, these guys can really perform well. Like Even I'm surprised at how well they're performing and these are guys that you don't think could be super impactful. So when you see that, I think as a fan and as someone watching the game, it gives you a lot of confidence that the defensive line can go out there and can perform even with losing someone like Bosa and albeit not that many people like Solomon Thomas, but I will say that him in the rotation did go a long way for the overall team's defensive line success. And yeah, he didn't put up the stats that number three overall pick would, but he did contribute. So now you have a Ziggy Ansan, now you have a Deion Jordan, now you have guys like Ken Law and Kevin Givens and DJ Jones' snap counts are going to increase. So you have you still have that efficient type of defensive line rotation where, yeah, the Bosa and Thomas loss will be huge, but I will kind of predict now that I don't think the loss will be as super impactful as some people are saying because i've been seeing that people are saying like oh well there goes bosa there goes thomas d ford isn't playing that's 10 less sacks 15 less sacks for the season that that's it and i don't see it that way zach i really don't i think those guys will go out there i think they'll still pressure the quarterback yeah maybe the sacks won't be there but i think their hurries the pressures and the hits will all still be there yeah and you know Kind of talking about like some overreactions, I've seen people go as far as saying that's the season. You know, the 49ers should just go ahead and pack it up now because Nick Bosa isn't there and there's no way they can overcome not having him out there. And just like, you know, Matt Llewellyn said, if Nick Bosa was the sole reason why you felt um, this team was a Super Bowl team, then they were never a Super Bowl team to begin with because... One player cannot make or break a Super Bowl team, uh, unless you're Russell Wilson in Seattle, obviously. Quarterbacks have a lot more weight to their positional value, but um, I think the 49ers as a whole are pretty well equipped equipped, excuse me, to be able to deal with this. And Fred Warner said to himself, you know, like, hey, if there's any team out there that can deal with the injuries that we're dealing with right now, it's us. And I think he he had a pretty good point there because that defensive line was their strength and it's still arguably their strength because they packed it for years with first rounder after first rounder after first rounder. They were signing guys. They were still trading for other guys. So, you know, they they should still be able to, to play at a relatively high level. Are they going to be feasting on opposing quarterbacks like they were last season? No, obviously not. But I still think they're going to do enough to get the job done. And one thing we have to keep in mind is only two of these guys are gone for the whole year. 
only Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas are done. We're not going to see them again until next season. The rest of these guys are coming back at some point, and the only one where there's still a question mark kind of you know, up above is D Ford, where he had those neck spasms that kept him out of the last game. And then it kind of turned into a, a back problem. And, you know, so that's kind of still up in the air. But I don't know. I just feel like there isn't too much to be worried about elsewhere on the defensive line because as a whole, they've played pretty well. Um, and, you know, Anthony, the other injury to the defense. I guess I'll go a little bit further back in, in the linebacking core was Dre Greenlaw and he suffered a thigh contusion. And I kind of thought that's sort of like a stinger. I didn't think it was going to be too, too serious, but it was being reported today as we we're reporting this, that there was, he had a setback at practice, I believe. And now he's kind of his status for Sundays up in the air. If he's not able to play Sunday against the giants, are you worried about his loss? I am worried about his loss from the sense that Dre Greenlaw's impact on the field is huge. This is a guy who arguably has the same type of instincts and range as Fred Warner. And he goes out there, he makes plays on the ball. I mean, he was the reason why Jaquaski Tark got an interception against Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. He tipped that pass, which was an athletic and very fantastic tip drill. And obviously, Tart was there and got the pick. So you don't really replace linebackers of that caliber. But again, this goes above and beyond to say that the Niners' depth on defense, I still think, is pretty solid. So, Dre Greenlaw is a projected Sam linebacker on their defense, and his replacement is Aziz Alshair. And he was very good coming out of college up until he tore his ACL, I think, in the last game of college. He was kind of like a relegated special teamer now, but he does get some snaps on the field on occasion. But when he does play, he goes out there and you watch him, and it's like, okay, this guy isn't going to be that type of Dre Greenlaw player where he's going to make a play on the ball, but he's going to out, go out there and do his job solidly, if you will. So I'm not too bummed that Dre Greenlaw is hurt. I will say I am upset that he's just another player that's hurt, but you know how football is, Zach, next man up. And this is exactly what the team prepares for is these kinds of injuries where you look at the season as a whole and it's only been two weeks and half the league is already hurt. So Depth is going to be challenged throughout the NFL. Depth has always been challenged on the 49ers, it felt like. And just like last season where we had that stretch of games in the second half where it just felt like everyone was falling like flies, that's kind of how this stretch feels right now. And I know it's only been two games, and I know most of the injuries came against the Jets in Week 2. But injuries are injuries, man. Once you look at that uh, injury list, it's like, all right, I'm counting these guys down. These are positions we're going to have to fill and replace and see who's going to step up. And I think that's one positive thing about the 49ers team is that it seems like there's no selfish player where it's like, all right, here we go. This is an injury. That means I have to step up. That means I have to do the work. Nah, man, the chemistry on this team is solid. And you watch these guys go out there and they all play for each other and they all play as a team. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see the backups go out there and make some plays themselves. Like I said, I'm not expecting Aziz Alshire to be Dre Greenlaw. I'm not expecting him to go out there and ball like Fred Warner. But he's a guy I'm expecting to go out, do his job, make very few mistakes and kind of play like a backup would. But I don't think he's he'll single-handedly cause the team a loss or anything like that. I think... He's, he's going to get his quality snaps in, man. And that's what I said earlier is that I'm excited to see these guys go out there and play. I'm excited to watch them kind of just grow in the system. And 
I've heard a lot of things saying, or a lot of people say, where it's like, you get the backup some quality playing time, it prepares them. It gets them ready for later on in the season when these injuries happen again and you need that depth, especially when the playoffs are coming around. Because with only one bye week this year, that first seed is going to be up for grabs. And yeah, with these injuries, maybe the Niners aren't a first seed, but they can still compete for second, third, fourth, and so on to where home field may matter at that point of the year. So it all starts with these guys like Aziz Alshair getting their depth in or getting their snaps in, kind of building up their own game, if you will, and just preparing for the long season ahead, man. So you can't replace Greenlaw, but I will say I am very excited about Shire. Yeah, Shire showed a lot of promise last season when he did have to fill in. Um, he, he's got potential, especially in this defense. And if Greenlaw is not able to go, I think he's a formidable backup Um, It's almost like, you know, Nick Mullins, where he's not going to be wowing anybody or or taking the starting spot by force. However, if you need him to fill in for a short period of time, he can get the job done. Um, But let's go ahead and kind of get into this preview here. We just needed to catch up with some injuries and maybe talk some news. Um, But speaking of the Giants, Anthony, their offense is all over the place. They suffered a major injury just like the 49ers did uh, with Nick Bosa with, you know, Saquon Barkley. He tore his ACL on Sunday as well, unfortunately. So he is now out for the year. How much easier did this Giants offense just get to defend on Sunday? So they replaced Saquon Barkley with Devontae Freeman, kind of someone who I thought the Niners were going to go after in the offseason once Atlanta cut him. And that kind of leads to where it's like, well, no Raheem Mostert, no Tevin Coleman. Would have been nice to have Devontae Freeman, but they're going to roll out there with Jarek McKinnon, uh, Jeff Wilson, and Jermichael Hasty. so we'll see. So you replace Saquon Barkley with a guy like Devontae Freeman, who who isn't the single-handedly dynamic running back that Saquon Barkley is. But Devontae Freeman can still kind of do it all, and he had a lot of success in Kyle Shanahan's system when he was in Atlanta. So you kind of get like like budget Saquon Barkley, if you will. And that's not to knock Devontae Freeman, but Devontae Freeman didn't have a team for a reason. And you put him on a team like the Giants where their run blocking is bad, their pass blocking is so-so, and they don't really have a run game to begin with. So I'm not too worrisome about Devontae Freeman. And to be honest, Zach, even if Saquon was healthy, yeah, I'd be a little more worried. But again, the Giants feature one of the worst run blocking units in the entire NFL. So... If I'm not intimidated by Saquon Barkley and that offensive line, I don't think the other coaches on the 49ers would be. But hey, man, what do I know? I'm just a bystander. In any event, though, they roll out Devontae Freeman and Deion Lewis, two running backs, like I said, who are very similar in skill sets. They both are very good at passing or catching the ball out of the backfield. They're so-so at running the ball. If they hit a hole, they can get to that second level, but don't expect them to get out into the open field and score a 70 or 80-yard touchdown. That's not really who these guys are at this point in their career. So it's not like a two-headed monster that the Giants feature, but they do feature two running backs who will probably be check-down gods for Daniel Jones, if you will, where Daniel Jones just lost Sterling Shepard, and he doesn't have that other big name wide receiver outside of Darius Slayton and they have Golden Tate but at this point in his career he shouldn't be too much of a factor so it'll be a check down city and don't be surprised if guys like Deion Lewis and Devontae Freeman go out there and honestly finish the game with more than 10 catches combined they're gonna go out there especially we know Dre Greenlaw to kind of play underneath kind of play that like sideline to sideline play on the sticks and 
prevent those um those check down passes if you will so it's kind of like a toss-up but i'm not too worried about these guys zach curious as to what you think but their skill sets it might be worrisome for some of the linebackers and coverage but overall it's not anything i would be too worried about because again the giants don't have too much on offense outside of darius Slayton, and i don't think that's gonna really intimidate our defense yeah, you know, it's funny. If you would have told me last week that Devontae Freeman was playing in this game, I, I would have thought he was playing for the 49ers. Um, but that's not how this played out. Obviously, the Giants needed him a lot more than the 49ers did. Um, and I'm not too concerned about the addition of him to the Giants. Uh, he was out of football for, you know, up until now in the season, which is only week three, but still, he was in with a team for the offseason camp, I don't believe. So. It might take him a game or two to get accustomed to the NFL speed and, and just, you know, the physicality of it. So the 49ers might be able to just keep that in their bag and not have to worry about it too much. And as far as their passing game, you know, they still have Daniel Jones back there and he's not looking fantastic to, to kind of put it mildly. Um, and he, like you said, he's going to be without Sterling Shepard, who is his number one target there, aside from maybe Evan Ingram. Um, so I'm not too concerned about it, to be honest with you. And I don't want to sound like, you know, cocky going into this game, but you know, there's not much on the giants offense that kind of scares me when I look at, um, I saw, uh, per, per pro football focus, Daniel Jones is the sixth highest offensive player on the offense. So, I mean, he's not looking too great. I think his, his overall grade is like a 68.9 with a 64.7 passing grade. So I think the 49ers just need to get home with Daniel Jones, and he's more of a statue. He's not a mobile quarterback like Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, so that should be easier for them to do. Um, and they don't have a particularly great offensive line. They do, do have uh, Will Hernandez at left guard. He's a pretty good offensive lineman, but aside from him, uh, there's not much talent there. So the 49ers should be able to get home on Daniel Jones. And I think that he's a younger quarterback. Sala should be able to kind of throw some looks at him, maybe some pre-snap, you know, movements or whatever they need to do to kind of get him confused and off, off guard and be able to capitalize on his inexperience. Um, now, Anthony, on the topic of the Giants offense, now that Sterling Shepard is gone, obviously the number one target in New York has to be Evan Ingram. Are you concerned about the 49ers' ability to stop him at all? So even with the loss of Dre Greenlaw dating back to last year, the Niners are one of the best teams at covering tight ends in football. If I'm not mistaken, I don't remember the stat off the top of my head, but they were allowing the fewest yardage totals to tight ends per game, and I think they were only allowing like 40 to 50 yards per game to tight ends. So that's really impressive, and that goes... It kind of shows how good our linebackers are in coverage against tight ends, and even the safeties too. Tart and Jimmy Ward, you'll see, be on the tight end every now and then. But mostly it was Dre Greenlaw, and Quan kind of covered tight ends quite a bit too. So that tight end defensive rotation, if you will, was solid. It's still solid now. Chris Herndon against the Jets didn't really do much. Um, The tight end for the Cardinals, I think Dan Arnold, didn't really do much either. So I'm not expecting Evan Ingram to go out there and light it up if you will don't be surprised if they try to go after him early on if they do have Aziz Alshire in coverage because last season when he did play Shire wasn't the best in coverage but I think that was also his rookie year too so 
rookie mistakes, nothing I'm going to take too seriously. As a whole, though, Zach, I think I'm going to say I'd be a little more worried about Caden Smith. And this is the same Caden Smith that the Niners drafted in the sixth round a season ago that they let walk, who signed with the practice squad, and then the Giants signed him from our practice squad, and now he's actually a really good tight end. I'm looking at PFF right now, and his pass catching grade is all right. It's a 56, but his overall run blocking and pass blocking grades are above 75 and 80. So as a whole, Caden Smith isn't the exact complete tight end, if you will. But if you look at how well he's blocking, you kind of would have hoped that he would still be on his team because he would basically be what Charlie Warner is now is the blocking tight end to help open up running lanes and help keep Garoppolo and now Nick Mullins safe. So as a whole, I'm not too worried about Evan Ingram. I mean, injuries in Ingram's past, I think the past couple seasons, he's just been nagged with injuries, man. Lower body in particular. I think he had a back injury too. So I feel like that kind of dynamic speed that he had when he came out of college isn't there anymore. And I know he's still young and he still has a lot of time in football to play. But when you suffer lower leg injuries that early on in your career, it kind of zaps your confidence and it kind of zaps your ability to just go and take off. And this season, Evan Ingram hasn't really been that that noted on PFF. He has a 49 offensive grade. He has, let's see. Oh, I don't have his stats. I can't find him. Well, the point being is that Evan, Gr- Evan Ingram is not impactful in any way. And like I said, Caden Smith is more impactful than Ingram. So don't be surprised if they look his way to try and force him the ball, but nothing really comes out of it. Ingram hasn't been spectacular the past couple seasons. He doesn't look like he's going to be anything special this time soon. So that's not to say the Niners' defense should just take his, take their eyes off of him because he still can be a dynamic player. It's just when you look at the kind of season he's having now and you look at how they're using him, it's not something that you'd go and think, oh man, this is worrisome. I'd be more worried about Darius Slayton, you know, big play Slay. But outside of that, man, like you said, Zach, the offense that the Giants feature isn't anything that'll make you go, wow, our defense needs to really pin their ears back and prepare because this is going to be a 35 to 30 type game. You know what I mean? No, this is going to be the type of game where... I think it'll be a little more high scoring for the Giants compared to how the Jets game went, but I'm not going to say that the Giants are going to go out there and score 24 points. It doesn't feel like that. So as a whole, the offense is nothing to worry about, and Evan Ingram in particular, man, I don't think it's anything the team should be too concerned about. Yeah, it's kind of weird how, I mean, we're only two games into the season, obviously not much to go off of, but he has not looked like the same Evan Ingram that was highly coveted coming out of Ole Miss. Um, So that's definitely something to keep an eye on because he was a guy I was really, really, you know, uh, keen to adding to the 49ers as a possible trade scenario. I thought Evan Ingram and George Kittle paired up would be a pretty lethal duo. However, the way the 49ers went about it seems to be working out pretty well. I mean, Jordan Jordan Reed kind of beasted out Sunday against the Jets, and that was really nice to see. Um, I, I texted in our group chat today, Anthony, who would have thought a couple of weeks into the season that Jordan Reed was the tight end making beast plays and George Kittle would be the one out injured because that's not how things have gone at all for the last couple of years. But, you know, the, he, he's playing well for the 49ers and you just love to see it, hold, see him holding it down until Kittle can return. Um, but as far as the Giants, yeah, man, there's not much there that makes you uh, stay up at night. Um, and, and with all due respect to them, they're just obviously a team clearly in their rebuilding phase. 
Um, and, you know, they do have also Levine, Toilolo. However, he's more of a, a uh, pass-blocking tight end, run-blocking tight end. He's not going to be much of a threat in the receiving game. And they also have former Patriot Deion Lewis back there in the backfield. And he's kind of like that scat-back type receiver, or excuse me, running back. And he has not been graded well throughout the season per pro football focus he's their 15th highest graded offensive player out of 17 so uh i think that just goes without saying but i think any time a team loses to the chicago bears the previous week that should just show you what their where they are in relation to the rest of the teams in the nfl and to only be able to hang up 13 points it's just not looking good for the New York Giants right now. And I know we've been saying ever since Bosa and Thomas and, you know, everybody essentially, all the starters got hurt for the 49ers that the offense is going to have to step it up and they're going to have to score 30, 40 points per game because the defense is going to be able to keep opposing offenses under 15. This is not one of those games. I am pretty confident by saying this right now as we record this. The 49ers could probably win this game with... 17 points. I have no problem think predicting that. I mean, the Bears won their game in week two, 17 to 13 against the Giants. So Nick Mullins, not much is being asked of him. And, you know, that's going to lead me over to the 49ers offense, Anthony. And it's going to look different with Nick Mullins under center. What are you expecting of him on Sunday? I'm expecting Nick Mullins to go out there not light it up like he did the Raiders game in 2018. And that's the thing that a lot of people are tying back to is I think 2018 was what his rookie year. So you have a guy who a team who teams don't really have that much film on and you can only assume what he can do so far at at that point in the season I mean and he just lit it up against the Raiders and he didn't do too bad. I think he was 3 and 5 as a starter. I mean, as a rookie backup, what more can you expect? And that led to Nick Bosa. So, hey, he won his games and he still got his Bosa, so I can't complain. But as a whole, man, I think Nick Mullins is going to go out there. I think he's going to just kind of game manage. I don't think he's going to go out there and make those big-time throws that you see Garoppolo attempt to make or even when C.J. Beathard was in. C.J. Beathard had a really good deep ball, like really good. It's just his decision-making on every other throw was terrible and his uh, pocket awareness was awful. Nick Mullins isn't that guy, but Nick Mullins isn't Garoppolo where you can go out there and expect him to make some kind of play with his feet. He's Nick Mullins is more of a natural pocket passer where he just has to read, 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 diagnose, okay, who, who do I hit? Who's the hot guy? Who's going to open up then here, where, you know, all things that. So Nick Mullins isn't going to light it up, but Nick Mullins is going to get the job done. And I don't have super high expectations for him. But the one thing I do want to see from Nick Mullins, Zach, is I want to see him limit turnovers. We saw that kind of ugly pick that he threw against the Jets. I'm not going to hold that against him too much because he kind of got forced into the situation cold, unready more or less. So he has a week of the system under his belt. I mean, he was running the scout team for a couple years. So this guy just knows every facet of the ball, if you will. And he's just had time to be behind Garoppolo and learn the system and watch and react. And I was listening to another podcast and Jeff Garcia was talking and he was saying that when you have the understudy, you have the guy who's watching it all from the sideline, holding the clipboard, understanding what's happening and why that goes a long way to a backup's overall success. 
But Jeff Garcia also said that you can know everything, you can understand the entire field, understand the plays as much as you want, but your body still has to be able to go out there and perform those plays. And Nick Mullins doesn't have Beathard's arm strength. He doesn't have Garoppolo's accuracy. Nick Mullins is just kind of Nick Mullins, and he's going to go out there and perform to the best of his ability. So I don't expect him to go out there and light it up, but I expect him to just get the job done whatever it may be if it means he has to pass the ball 10 times okay he has to pass the ball 10 times if game script calls for him to throw the ball 20 to 25 times okay then he has to do that whatever Shanahan has planned for him I think Nick Mullins will do it just don't expect Nick Mullins to go above and beyond what a lot of people may project for him yeah that's a really good point because I tweeted out today what are you expecting from Nick Mullins and a lot of like most of the replies were uh, the Thursday night game against the Raiders. Uh, that's kind of what the expectations seemed to be at. And I don't really know why. Um, that game was a fluke. That was a bad Raiders team. And I'm not saying the Giants are good. But, you know, uh, I believe David Lombardi also made the point that that's the year that George Kittle set the tight end record. And there will be no, no Kittle on Sunday for Nick to throw to. So, you know, I wouldn't expect too much from him. And one thing that I've heard, I believe on, I saw it on ESPN, one of their morning shows, they were saying, look, when, you, when you're asking a backup quarterback to go in and play for you because your starter is injured, the most you should be asking or at least expecting from your backup quarterback is to win 50% of the games that they play. And I think that's a pretty good you know, analysis of that because you can't ask for your backup to come in and play exactly like your starter would or else they'd be a starter. You know, that's not how it works. So I would say, you know, a lot of handoffs. This is going to be a jet game, a return of the jet game. And uh, probably your boy, uh, Je- uh, gosh, Jeff Wilson. I was going to say Jet Wilson, Jeff Wilson. I would, they're probably going to get a, a good amount of carries this game. And, and you know, they also uh, believe they called up Hasty, if I'm not mistaken. I know they protected him on their practice squad for sure. So it's going to be a, a run first game, and they're going to go from there. But, you know, I, I would imagine Juice is going to be heavily involved. Uh, probably some, some tight end, maybe another big game for Jordan Reed. Um, but, you know, I'm not expecting Nick Mullins to come out here and throw for 350 yards and, you know, four or five touchdowns or even have the game that he had against the Raiders where he made a name for himself um, because the 49ers shouldn't need that of him in order for them to win. Um, now, I think I did touch on on Jet McKinnon there, and I want to ask you about him. He had a couple of nice plays against the Jets last weekend. Do you think he'll be able to build on that and have an even bigger game now that Coleman and Mostert are out on Sunday? I'm so split on Jarek McKinnon, and it's not that I think he won't be effective, because when he gets the ball in his hands, even after his ACL injury, he's still a playmaker, and we saw that against the Cardinals, and we saw that against the Jets. The Jarek McKinnon that goes out there on the field is the Jarek McKinnon I was expecting before all of his health injury or all of his injuries. So I think they need to feed him the ball, but the part I am split on Zach is I want them to still keep him safe so he can last the whole season. And at some point, you can't bubble wrap a guy. You kind of have to just let him loose and see what happens and go from there. But it's early on in the season. The team is back on that terrible MetLife turf where everyone and their mom seemed to got hurt last week. And it, it, I mean, you saw Eric Armstead say the team is anxious to play on it again this week because they're all scared they're going to get hurt. And I don't blame him. And you see someone like Jarek McKinnon where it's like, 
we're finally experiencing what he was going to be in this offense and we're finally seeing what it's like you don't want him to get hurt again and you don't want him to or you don't want the team to put him in any type of position where he's getting the ball too much and that durability is starting to slow down mid-game to where maybe a big hit knocks him out or maybe something happens and we lose Jet for a few weeks so it's tough but I feel like the team should be careful with him just in case, man. But with all that being said, Jarek McKinnon's going to do everything Sunday against the uh, Giants, dude. He's going to go out there as a wide receiver, line up and run routes. He's going to line up in I formation and pound the ball in. He's going to run stretch plays, toss plays, zone plays, everything of that nature. And I think Shanahan has big expectations for him. So this might be the Jarek McKinnon game I predicted he's going to blow up, I think, against the Cardinals a couple weeks ago. I don't quite remember. But let's be honest, man. You bring up someone like Jermichael Hasty. You still have Kyle Juszczyk who will carry the ball once in a blue moon. You have Jeff Wilson who can just pound the ball at goal line situations. And you have Jarek McKinnon who looks like he's basically a slower Raheem Mostert. So you have all these running backs in the rotation who can still get the job done. And then you have Nick Mullins who hasn't played at all this se- or hasn't played up until the Jets game and missed all of 2019 because Garoppolo was healthy. So... I don't think Shanahan is going to really know what he's going to get out of Nick Mullins other than what he saw in 2018 and part of uh, the Jets game. So if they're going to play it safe, I do expect it to be a big Jarek McKinnon game and Jeff Wilson game. But man, Zach, I just want them to stay safe. I Especially Jet, dude. I want Jet to stay safe. I want him to be healthy. And even if it means limiting his snaps... I'll, I'll take it, dude. As long as he gets on the field, that's fine. But don't overuse him more than the team needs to. Yeah, it's, you know, it would be really unfortunate if, you know, we finally get to see him and see what he's about and see what he can do in this offense. And then, you know, God forbid something happened to him. So I'm totally with you on that. And, you know, the NFL and the NFLPA recently reviewed the field and they said it was okay. It was up to, you know, up to their standards. And uh, I remembered like right after the game, I believe on Monday, the next day, I got a notification on my phone that the NFL you know, went out there and took a look at the field and, you know, they said that it passed all the tests. And I remember thinking, I was thinking to myself, like, they're not going to say even if it didn't, because then they're kind of taking some sort of ownership over any of these injuries. Or maybe they even give the appearance that it's their fault. They could have done something. So I wouldn't expect the NFL to come out and say anything other than that, unfortunately. Um, But Man, you know, they, they just have to be careful. But at the same time, you know, 49ers uh, defensive coordinator Robert Sala said himself, you can't go out there and play scared because if you go out there and play scared, then you're probably going to injure yourself because you're playing differently. You're not giving it your all. So they really just have to do play normally and act like it's not even a thing, which is way easier said than done, especially going back to the same place where you just saw two of your starters, you know, tear their ACLs and a bunch of other guys get injured. So it's going to be tough. But going back to the running backs, I'm excited to see what Jack can do this game because, you know, he's been kind of getting a split share of the carries with Coleman and Mostert ahead of him. And uh, I'm excited to see what he can do being the lead back going into the game. And especially with, you know, a, uh, inexperienced quarterback and Nick Mullins back there it's not going to be Jimmy to where he's going to be able to throw it 30 40 times a game if necessary no he's going to be handing it off probably more often than not so I'm excited to see what Jack can do and also you know 
your boy Jeff Wilson, who, you know, should have got it week one. I'm still livid about that, the goal line scenario. He can pound it. He's a bruising back. He's powerful. And, you know, a guy like Hasty as well. Who knows what he can bring to the table? So Coleman's going to be out for an extended period of time, it looks like. Uh, Moster's going to be out for a couple of weeks. So it's time for each of these backs to really prove themselves and really show what they can do. And I'm excited to see all of them. Um, Anthony, we talked about Jordan Reed a little bit earlier. And he had a nice game. He had two touchdowns uh, against the Jets. What type of game do you see him having on Sunday? This is Blake Martinez round two. Or round three, if you will, because the Niners played the Packers twice last year. Blake Martinez is the starting middle linebacker for the New York Giants. He is their highest graded defensive man as a whole on that defense at an 87 grade according to PFF so he's a very good run stopper and he's a very good tackler his problem though is that he is not good in coverage at all we saw Kyle Shanahan expose Blake Martinez against the Packers twice where George Kittle just went out there and blew him up obviously Jordan Reed is no George Kittle in terms of I you know as the complete package but Jordan Reed is still the receiver that George Kittle is Jordan Reed may not go out there and still run up the field for a, run up the field for a 60 or 70 yard touchdown, but he will catch the ball and he will catch it like Kittle. So don't be surprised if Kyle Shanahan is going to just have Nick Mullins beat down on Jordan Reed and just target him five to ten times this game because quite frankly, Blake Martinez is a huge liability in coverage. Kyle Shanahan recognized that last year, took advantage of it. And this season, it's no different. Blake Martinez is still not that good in coverage. So expect guys like Jordan Reed, maybe Charlie Warner will finally get his first catch. I don't think he has one yet. Expect the tight ends to really, really be on Nick Mullins' and Kyle Shanahan's radar, man. Obviously, the wide receivers are still not fully integrated in the offense. We saw them have a little more of a role against the Jets, albeit that game was kind of a blowout at the end of the half. So it's kind of a take it and see how it goes approach. But right now, I think the Niners and Kyle Shanahan are just going to fall in love with attacking Blake Martinez. Jordan Reed and Nick Mullins might have that connection that Mullins did with Pettis a couple years ago. And I don't even want to talk about Pettis, man. But in any event, though, I think this will be another big Jordan Reed game. I'm not going to drop any big predictions now, but I do think Jordan Reed will finish with another touchdown, man. We saw how efficient Jordan Reed was in the the red zone against the Jets. We saw what he can do with the ball in his hands. Don't be surprised if Shanahan's going, all right, Nick, Nick, Jordan Reed is your first read, bottom line. And he's a playmaker that the offense needs right now outside of Jarek McKinnon. Ayuk is still learning. Kendrick Bourne is still kind of learning as well. And the wide receivers at the moment are still not... I still don't think they have the confidence of Kyle Shanahan, so they might not be in the game script. But I do think the tight ends and running backs are going to be heavily involved like they have been the past two weeks. So look for Jordan Reed to really have that, this is why I'm on the team, this is who I am when I'm healthy. And look out for Jordan Reed to really have another big breakout game. Yeah, I was I was really excited. And listeners to, to the Red and Gold Standard podcast will remember, he was my prediction. I was so hyped to see him have a big game because I predicted him as the offensive MVP here. And he came out, and, you know, as long as Jimmy was back there, he was playing really well. So let's see if he still has that connection with Nick Mullins and, you know, a young and experienced quarterback. A tight end is usually their best friend. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, and it's all about him staying healthy. He's had those, I believe, seven concussions. So he just needs to be careful with how he plays. He seems to be playing smart. 
Um, I, I am excited for Nick Mullins to see what he can do with him. Um, but it's it really just depends on the tempo of the game and, and how the running game is going. And um, I, I'm excited to see also kind of those uh, play action rollouts and, and getting the pocket kind of, you know, mobile and getting Nick on the move and hitting the tight ends. Because I think Jordan Reed is, is really, really lethal when it comes to kind of those short yard yardage passes and letting him just get get the ball in space and letting him do the rest because he's a physical tight end, man. I saw him on Sunday just completely running through defenders, and he's fast, he's physical. So I, I, I think they just need to make sure he gets the ball, and he should be able to take care of the rest. Um, and guys, I just want to say today's episode is brought to you by Romer Skincare. It's based out of Chicago. Romer launched a work-from-home clean skincare line that covers all your skin needs with three easy-to-follow steps. Why you should check them out. Simple ingredients and effective results. A perfect upgrade if you're still washing your face with a bar of soap or that drugstore face wash. Right now, Romer Skincare is offering our listeners a 15% off and a gift with your first purchase by using the code LISTENER15. That's code LISTENER15 on their website, romerskincare.com. And press your partner and get happy skin. It's a win-win. Again, guys, you get 15% off and a free gift with your first purchase by using code LISTENER15. That is LISTENER15. And again, their website is romerskincare.com. It's a win-win for everybody. You get good skin. You get a free gift. You get 15% off. So go and check them out, guys. RomerSkinCare.com. One more time. The code is LISTENER15. Now back to the preview. Anthony, one last thing I wanted to talk to you about on the 49ers offense is their wide receivers. You did mention Dante Pettis there, who's been a complete no-show. But I also wanted to talk about a complete no-show who's a bit more surprising in my opinion. And that's Trent Taylor. Two games now, I I, I could count the amount of catches he's had, I want to say on one hand, just going off the top of my head. I don't have his stats in front of me. Is there a reason for his disappearing act? Or do you think that's just how the cookie has crumbled so far? How the cookies crumbled so far. I <laughs> I like that reference a lot, man. I think that's a good point you bring up there. No, I think Trent Taylor is working himself back into game shape. I'm going to refer back to Jeff Garcia again, but Nick Mullins, for example, like I said, you learn everything being the understudy and being the backup, but until you're not, until you get acclimated with game speed, you're not going to fully understand or fully grasp everything right away. And I think that's how it is for Trent Taylor, man. Trent Taylor missed almost two seasons worth of football because of the foot injury. So I think Trent Taylor is going out there. I think he's getting himself back up to speed. Also, I don't think it's familiarity or anything that's wrong with Trent Taylor. Obviously, he's been in the system long enough to understand how it works. At this point, it's just getting himself ready, getting himself game ready and game speed, if you will, and just preparing. I think that's all of this at this point for Trent Taylor is just understand how fast the game is playing, understand the pace he needs to play at, go out there, know the system, know what you have to do, and get the job done. I don't think this will be another big Trent Taylor game or let alone a Trent Taylor game to begin with if he's getting open in the slot I think Nick Mullins might look his way I think Shanahan will call for Trent Taylor because outside of James Bradbury who's the Giants' number one cornerback who's been playing very well this season he's got an 86 coverage grade according to PFF 
The rest of the corners that the uh, Giants feature are very subpar. They have Isaac Yadam out of Colorado, who is so-so. Corey Ballantyne, who is so-so. And Darnay Holmes, who is not good. So this could be a big wide receiver game. But again, Kyle Shannon is so so pessimistic about using his wide receivers and i don't expect it to be a big game but if any of the wide receivers are going to stand out for the niners this week zach i do think it's going to be trent taylor don't expect him to go out there and catch the ball seven eight nine times like i've been hoping he has the past couple weeks but go out there and expect him to get targeted by mullins at least five or six times and maybe come up with a couple catches and finally have that game where you can go look trent taylor's here he's healthy he's ready to play and i think it might be time to get him more more involved in the offense yeah I, I totally agree with you and a lot of people were coming in saying you know what man it's another year of hearing about Trent Taylor hype in in August and then when September rolls around and, and before granted it was for injury reasons but this year he was largely non-existent I mean he in week one he had a couple of catches and obviously Jimmy felt comfortable going to him on that fourth down throw that didn't work out and then in week two, I believe he had a couple of catches and a couple more targets. But for the most part, I was I had, you know, wide receiver one aspirations for Trent Taylor coming into this year. And it hasn't worked out like that. Uh, so I'm excited and I'm still hopeful for him to, to turn it around. Maybe not this week that Jimmy isn't there because that Jimmy Trent connection is almost unbeatable on this team. Jimmy knows where Trent is at all times it seems like when they're both on the field and he can throw anything up for Trent Taylor and it seems like he trusts him to come down with it so that connection and that chemistry is unmatched for the most part I'm waiting to see it happen again uh like we saw it when they were both healthy and on the team a few years ago haven't seen it yet but I'm still remaining hopeful but I also want to do while we're on the topic here touch on a couple other wide receivers uh and that is Muhammad Sanu and Brandon Ayuk they were both making their 49ers debut last week uh Sanu I don't believe had any targets but Brandon Ayuk his first catch was actually an interception from another 49ers receiver I think it was off KB um and he looked pretty good he had a couple of good catches and and he made a couple plays um what did you think of Ayuk's debut and what do you think both of their Sunday performances are going to look like. Ayuk's debut was about what I expected once again. I mean, he didn't, I don't think he got a single catch in week one and he got his first career catch in week two. And that kind of was on a ball that wasn't really meant for him. So I'm not, right now my ceiling isn't too high for Brandon Ayuk and that's not to knock him. Because we had a lot of people saying that, oh, Brandon Ayuk is going to come out this season and be a 1,000-yard receiver as a rookie. And I think I was one of those guys, I'm not going to lie. But you look at how it's going now, and it's like, all right, Ayuk is still getting acclimated with the team. He's still getting acclimated with this offense. And Debo Samuel said in his rookie year that this offense is not easy to learn right away. And I wouldn't be surprised if Ayuk is going through that exact same thing at the moment. So don't expect much from Ayuk. Now, can we expect him to get more than the... I think three targets he's received in two games. Yeah, I think Shanahan will try to get him the ball a little more, but I could also say that I think he'll try and get uh, Kendrick Bourne the ball a little more too and Trent Taylor the ball a little more. So right now the wide receiver room I think isn't necessarily a ride-the-hot-hand approach or game script 
and go to that guy approach. I think it's just if Nick Mullins sees that wide receiver open and he's not looking for a tight end or running back like he probably will be for most of the game, maybe he'll go out there and make a play towards a wide receiver, but don't expect him to be too impactful. Like you said earlier in this pod, expect the Niners to run the ball a lot. Expect the guys to get the ball to Jarek McKinnon, Jeff Wilson, and Jermichael Hasty. So Brandon Ayuk's run blocking might be a huge factor going into this game. And you know how much Kyle Shanahan loves his blocking wide receivers. That's kind of the biggest part of his offense. So this could be a big, <laughs> I guess, a big blocking game from Ayuk, if you will. But I think we are kind of waiting to see Ayuk have that, like, have that I am the first round pick. Here I am. Look at me, guy, or game, if you will. And can he do it? I think so. It depends on who's covering him. It depends on what Kyle Shanahan's overall game plan is and if he's confident in the wide receivers. And if he does believe in them, I think he'll look their way. But right now, Zach Shanahan is working with the backup quarterback. And he already said in week one, the wide receivers weren't involved in the game plan because I didn't want them to be because they weren't ready. And we heard him talk about it a little bit more in week two where he said, yeah, it was nice to get the wide receivers a little more involved, but they're still not where I want them to be. So... I don't know if he's going to want to throw out the wide receivers in this game with the backup quarterback because, quite frankly, I would want Jimmy Garoppolo to be that guy to look towards the wide receivers and get them more involved with the offense. And that's no offense to Nick Mullins, but Garoppolo has just worked with these guys a lot more. Nick Mullins hasn't worked with any of the first team up until this week. So Mullins is going to come in and not really have chemistry with anyone. And chemistry is built pretty fast in one game and we don't know how long Garoppolo's can be out so it really depends on how Mullins does but whoever Mullins finds as the hot guy for the day whether that is Reed or Trent Taylor or even Jarek McKinnon in the backfield that's probably going to be who's going to look forward to most of the day so don't expect too much from Ayuk but I will say that if he does get the ball in his hand in open field I cannot wait to see what the kid can do. And, you know, t- to be fair, I don't know how much I buy into Kyle Shanahan saying that the wide receivers weren't too big of the, too, or excuse me, weren't involved as much in the game plan in week one. That seemed kind of like, uh, you know, a, a really, really convenient excuse <laughs> when they didn't have a great game. You can come out and say, well, that was by design, you know. I don't know how much I buy into that. But with that said, week two, they sort of redeemed themselves. Uh, as a whole, but you know, uh, Brandon Ayuk, he didn't make his debut until week two, and same with Sanu. But I thought they both showed some promising signs. Sanu, more so, obviously, on the blocking side because he didn't have a catch, but Ayuk was promising in the fact that he seemed to fight once he got the ball and he was willing to get physical and, and you know, lower that shoulder, shoulder to try and get the first down on a couple occasions. So I was excited and I was impressed by what I saw from his limited uh, snaps and opportunities. But moving forward, I still think Brandon Ayuk can have a big year. Um, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility yet. And I think that he can start on Sunday and I just want to see him build. I don't I don't necessarily need to see him have 150 yards and two touchdowns, but I would like to see him have three or four receptions for 30, 40 yards. You know, I want to see him continuously get better because just like you said, and we've heard from other receivers, and we've even seen from their game, when they get into Kyle Shanahan's offense, it kind of takes them about half of the season to get adjusted to it, to get acclimated. And uh, we've heard Kyle say, you know, Brandon Ayuk is kind of further along than any other rookie he's ever seen. So I'm excited to see that actually get onto the field on Sunday, that package as a whole. 
Um, and until we do, you know, I'm just going to be sitting here gritting my teeth and hoping that it's there because I think the 49ers, once this whole team gets healthy and this receiver core gets healthy, they're going to be something to, to really be reckoned with, man, because they got a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. And it's unfortunate that Nick Bosa and Armstead, or excuse me, Bosa and Solomon are both going to be gone for the year. But the guys that are coming back, I still have a lot of faith in, and I think they could really do some damage. Um, so let's go ahead and wrap this up. I know it's a bit of a longer episode, but we just wanted to get everything out there. Uh, why don't we go ahead and go into our predictions? We like to do our offensive and defensive predictions for MVP and then wrap it up with a final score. Anthony, who do you have as your 49ers offensive MVP on Sunday against the Giants? This is a tough one, Zach. I'm going to discount court. Okay, so no quarterbacks. I'm going to cancel out Nick Mullins and any other quarterback that plays because they're not going to count, bro. No quarterbacks. So looking at from all the offensive skill makers or skill playmakers that we have on the team, it's tough to gauge on who I think is going to ball out. But if the run game gets going and the offensive line can finally have a decent blocking day because we didn't talk about it too much, but the Giants don't have that many like big-time playmakers on defense, but their defense as a whole has been a really good unit. They are, I think it's 8th against the pass and 13th against the run or vice versa. So as a whole, this defense that the Giants feature isn't bad. They have... They have guys you haven't really heard of, but they're going out there and getting the job done, so you can't just overlook that asset or that aspect of the Giants' field. So I think the biggest playmaker for the Niners is going to be in the run game, but more importantly, Zach, Jeff Wilson's going to get his playing time, and I'm not trying to do this as a homer, but if the Giant or if the Niners can move the ball and get into red zone territory, I think we will see Jeff Wilson have himself a nice little day like he did earlier in last season where he scored five touchdowns in, what, two or three games? I think this could be that kind of game for Jeff Wilson, but again, this is all predicated on if Nick Mullins and the team can really move the ball against this uh, stingy Giants defense, if you will. But Zach, for my offensive MVP, I think I'm going to shoot my shot with Jeff Wilson. I think he will finish with two rushing touchdowns on the day. We'll see how Shanahan and the offense features him. Obviously, he's not he's not Jarek McKinnon or Raheem Mostert where he can catch the ball out of the backfield like they do. He can still do it. He's just not that type of running back, but he can. So I will roll with Jeff Wilson as my guy. I think he'll finish with two rushing touchdowns. It won't be like 100 yards from the line of scrimmage type day for him, but I think he will be the exact same efficient goal line running back that he was last season, and I think he will very much so help put this game out of reach for the Giants. <laughs> yeah, no surprise there for me. That's your boy. You're always going to go with Jeff Wilson. Uh, man, you know, I think the the running game should be able to get going here. And, and I'm, I'm really, really leaning towards Jet. I think him having the bulk share of the carries, uh, at least it appears he will have those going into the game. He has a lot to prove. He has, you know, a couple of seasons worth of injuries that he missed. And he probably knows that a lot of 49ers fans and a lot of people around the NFL are thinking, man, the 49ers gave him way too much money. There's no way he's worth all of that. I think this is his week to prove everybody wrong. And I think that he's going to be able to come out and show it uh, on Sunday. And I think that he's going to have a big game. And I, I'm going to go with a little prediction here, and I'm going to say he's going to have 
uh, 12 carries for 85 yards and a touchdown and maybe another three or four receptions out of the backfield for 40 yards. Um, I think you'll have a nice game on Sunday, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, who do you have for your 49ers defensive MVP? Defensive MVP. Man, we talked about it earlier, and it sucks, but no Bosa, no Solomon Thomas. Uh, Richard Sherman is still hurt. It's kind of hard to gauge on who I think is going to have themselves a nice day for the 49ers on defense. But if I want to see anyone stand out, Zach, I think Javon Kinlaw is going to be my guy on defense. Look, he had a fantastic game against the Jets where he was just pressuring Darnold all afternoon. And yeah, he didn't get the sack, but he almost had Darnold for for a sack if you want to count that. But you see Kinlaw is making very big steps or taking very big steps in his defensive game and his ability to rush the passer rush the passer I'm sorry and shed blocks shed double teams if you will and just hit home Kinlaw is putting that together really fast and I think a lot of that has to do with Chris Kosirik and having Nick Bosa by your side and having Armstead and even D Ford who has been hurt but I'm sure he's still helping so you have Kinlaw who looks like he's already butting into the pass rusher that the team expected him to be And he goes up against a very weak offensive line in the New York Giants. And I think he can go out there and have himself a day. I think Kinlaw will get his first sack of his career, dude. I think it will come against Daniel Jones and this poor offensive line. I think Javon Kinlaw is going to finish with one and a half sacks. And I think I'm going to say four tackles for loss. I don't believe in this New York Giants offensive line from a pass blocking perspective or run blocking perspective. They do not do good at all bottom line they kind of block like how the Niners is line blocks in my opinion so it's going to be a battle of the trenches but if anyone's going to have themselves a day on either side of the ball I think it's going to be Javon Kinlaw wow I like that Uh, rookie having a big game early Um, I'm going to stick with the defensive line and I'm going to go with Eric Armstead I'm going to go with the vet here I think he plays inspired I think that he uh, knows what's at stake here now that the 49ers lost a couple of key players, more than a couple, a handful of key players. And uh, he came out immediately tweeting at the NFL to fix the turf. And I think he wants to go out there and sh- set an example uh, to play kind of fearlessly and, you know, to get the game going and still do your job, uh, even though the guys like Nick and Solomon Thomas and possibly Drake Greenlaw. And Sherman, these guys aren't going to be there. So I think Eric Armstead has a big game. I'm going to say he has two and a half sacks, maybe a couple passes batted down at the line of scrimmage. He's tall. He's got those long arms. Uh, I think the vet steps up and shows the younger guys like Javon Kinlaw how it's done. Uh, And, I, you know, you got to respect a guy like Eric Armstead because he just balls on the field and off the field. He's just such a good guy. So... I'm really rooting for his success, especially this Sunday. Uh, Now let's go ahead and wrap things up here, Anthony, and let's give our final score predictions. What do you got? Even with Nick Mullins under center, even with all the injuries on the offensive side of the ball, I think this is just going to be a really ugly game for the Giants, dude. I think the Niners are going to go out there, play some very inspired football, not just Eric Armstead, because I agree with you 100%, man. And I'm going to give my condolences to Eric Armstead now. His father just passed away. I looked this up on social media, saw someone give out their condolences to him, and I didn't understand quite why. And Eric Armstead's dad passed away. So this is going to be a huge game for him. Don't be surprised if you see some kind of tribute go out there from Eric Armstead to his dad. You know, 
So my condolences go out to the Armstead family, but everyone got hurt this past week, man. They got to go out there on the field again, and it sucks. But when you have those kind of big injuries, especially to a Bosa and a Garoppolo and even Mostert, you go out there and you play for your team, man, and you play inspired football. And I think we're going to see that from this Niners team. I think they're going to go out there. I think they're going to force Daniel Jones and the Giants to just turn the ball over incredibly. And this is going to be one of my sneaky, bold predictions for the week. But I've been waiting for the team to force at least four turnovers. I think, I think this will be the game that they're going to do it, man. I think that defense is hungry. I think they're ready to play some good football. And just go out there and punch the Giants in the mouth, Zach. I really believe in that. And yeah, you have Nick Mullins who hasn't played on the offensive side this season other than the Jets. But he's still going to go out there and rally his team and make plays. So I think I'm going to I'm gonna spot the Niners 30 points again in this game, Zach. I'm going to roll with Niners 34, Giants 17. Wow, all right. And definitely, yeah, I want to send our condolences to Eric Armstead. I did not know that. That is, uh, that's tragic, man. And... We here at the Red and Gold Center podcast and the 49ers Hive in general. Definitely thoughts and prayers out to the Armstead family. Uh, hopefully they are doing all right in this trying time. Uh, but as far as this game on Sunday, moving on to that, I think that the 49ers, they can still put up some points. And even with all of the pieces that they're missing, I don't know if I'm going to go quite to 34. That's That's pretty high. Um, I think that maybe, like I said, they don't really need to put up too much to win against this Giants team. So they might just put up like 21 points and call it a day and just kind of coast through the rest of the game. Nobody gets injured. Play it nicely. I'm going to go with 21 to 13. I think the 49ers win this one comfortably. And I think they come back uh, to week four and get some key pieces back like Debo so I am going to go with 21 to 13 but I think that's going to do it for us today guys I really want to thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Red Gold Standard podcast Uh, we are still growing this podcast so thank you to everybody who tuned in if you want to support the show the best thing you can do is go on to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review and talk about what you love most about the show if you want to find us Tweet your suggestions, tweet your comments, your concerns, whatever the case is, questions. You can find us at RGS Pod on Twitter. Or if you want to tweet 49ers Hive, uh, we handle everything for the show through 49ers Hive. But all the episodes and questions do get put out through RGS Pod. You can follow me personally at Zach Hernan, as in Zach Hernandez, on Twitter and Instagram. Anthony, go ahead and close us out and let the folks know where to find you. All right, Faithful, thanks for listening to another preview episode featured by the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. Man, I'm pretty sold that the Niners are going to go out there and score 30 on the Giants, dude. I love your prediction, too. But I got to admit, man, these guys are really inspired, and I know it's still early in the season. I know everyone didn't have training camp, so they're kind of catching up to the system as a whole pretty quick. But, dude, these guys are so hungry, Zach, and I think they're just ready to go out there and ready to just play for everyone who's hurt and play for the team and play to get back into the Super Bowl hunt. So I'm confident in these guys, man. Overall, I'm confident that they can go out there and win this game. Follow me on Twitter, guys. 49ers Perry. That's obviously 49ers and Perry, P-E-R-R-Y. Catch us after the Giants game doing 49ers news live, getting our overreactions to the game. 
catching us just simply reacting and seeing how this game goes, man. Let's hope that the Niners come out with a W. And as always, guys, thank you for tuning in and listening to the Red and Gold Standard Podcast.